Well, hello, coming to you from the car, top of the card table in the Heartland, Texas. This is KB5JBV, Richard, and you're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. Let me introduce you to the technical whiz of our show, that the, the all-knowing man that we cannot do without, who had lots of money and I can't get him to marry me, Russ, K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, and welcome to another exciting episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I'm coming to you from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. I guess we've got episode number 64 on tap for you, and there's actually stuff written down that we're going to talk about, so there might be some good content tonight. We'll find out in a minute. What's been going on for you lately? Well, we're still moving. Mm Mm-hmm moving and working and moving and working and puppy love because there's a dog in heat over here and it, she's three times the size of my my shih tzu puppy and he wants it bad <laughs> there's radio stuff going on and i've got to figure out how i'm gonna format richard's adventures in amateur radio out here in this new place i got HOA, I got skulking around behind the back of the HOA going on and emergency communication things going on and lack of club. It's so barren out here, amateur radio wise. I'm going to have to build my own homebrew amateur radio. You got to love it, but that's okay. That's, that's part of the mystique, part, part of what goes on. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. I have Winlink RMS gateway running on a, a copy of Ubuntu over here, and uh, the antenna is at eight feet. Lucky us, though, we're on the highest ridge in this part of the country. So I can actually work Garland, Texas, 15 miles away. <laughs> and now I run my head an awful lot, and Russ is starting to think to himself, why the hell did I ask him that question? What's going on with you, Russ? Not really a whole lot of anything, just working like a dog, day in, day out. Sometimes doing a podcast, shirking my duties of actually editing and putting them out, but at least they're getting recorded, so that's one thing. Well, that's okay, because it's my understanding that John Lennon left a vault full of tapes, and Stevie Ray Vaughan left a van full of tapes, and Michael Jackson, he actually left pictures of his original face. So, if we, you never know. Our families will get a lot of mileage out of it after we're dead. They'll be putting out Linux in Ham Shack albums. We'll have uh, concert videos from when we've made con- our concert experiences and all that good stuff. Who knows? We-, we might even call ourselves the what? Let's see. There's the king of rock, the king of pop, the king of Texas swing, and us. <laughs> the king of Linux-related amateur radio podcasts. Or amateur radio-related Linux podcasts. Hell, I don't know. Well, maybe we can get Geraldo to open up our LHS vault. Hey, yeah. Did he do Al Capone's? I don't. I don't remember. He he did somebody's huh? way back when. If you remember who opened Al Capone's vault in Chicago, please send an email to info at lhspodcast.info. Because we want to know who opened Al Capone's vault because we're going to put them in charge of opening our vault or at least trying to find some humor in this show. So, uh, 
let us progress. I think we have announcements. Do we have announcements? Yes, we have announcements. There's a new Linux news podcast out there on the internet. Tell me about this, Russ. I will do so. A few days ago, maybe it was a couple of days ago. Anyway, a few days ago, I got an email from a guy named Jay Forrest. And this is what his email said to me. Hi, fellow podcaster. I have just launched a new podcast. You know as well as I do, it's hard to get the news out. I was wondering if you would please be so kind as to give it a listen. Any feedback would be appreciated. And if you like it, a mention in your podcast would be very kind. If you do, please email me so I can put a link on my website to your show. Also, if you ever need a guest on your show, please feel free to email me and let me know. If you want to know a little more about me, please check out my website under About. You can also email me any questions you may have. So what is my new podcast? The Linux News Podcast. The Linux News Podcast was designed to fill a much-needed gap in audio shows covering exclusively Linux, Android, and open-source news. I honestly, editorial comment here, I didn't think there was a gap in this space, but this is what he says. Uh, the podcast aims to be relevant, accurate, fair, clear, timely, interesting, and concise. The podcast aims to be relevant by focusing on topics of interest to Linux users. I focus on such topics as software freedom, Linux, development, open source software, Android, and mobile devices, security issues, and Linux distribution releases. Special attention is given to the top 10 Linux distributions, which he lists here. I assume he's going on the distro watch list. Uh, the, the podcast is less than 15 minutes long and is released every Tuesday and Friday evening. Thank you so much for your help in spreading the news. And there's a link to the press release he did, which basically is what I just read. And then he says, sincerely, Jay Forrest. And his podcast can be found at www.linuxnewspodcast.com. Now, you didn't get this email, I'm pretty sure, Richard, unless you got it separately from me. Well, yes, I did, and I listened to the show. Uh, good, because I listened to the show, too, and I was going to ask what your thoughts on it were. Well, it be kind of like this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me throw up the disclaimer on this. I Don't throw up, please. You, you, y'all send these things in when y'all start a new podcast, and y'all ask us to critique it a little bit. And I don't ever want y'all to think that we're bashing any other show except possibly the whatever action show it is this week and, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. But here's the deal for those of y'all go check it out. It is informative. It's quick. It's tight. It's informative, but it's very heavily scripted. And where I made the mistake was reading the show notes while I was listening to it because the podcast was word to word, word for word, the show notes. On a personal note, Jay, relax some, man. Let a little personality creep in. Eventually, your listeners are going to want to listen and want to hear a little bit of your opinion on things. There are a lot of podcasts out there that do Linux news. Uh, they either do a segment or they try and do an entire show. I used to listen to Adrian Bacon over at... Uh, What's his called? Linux, Linux News Log. 
And Adrian was pretty good when he was focusing on Linux, but there's so many things in his little short show now, and he does several shows at this time. Back then, he only did like one or two. But uh, there's so much stuff creeping in that's not Linux-related that I pretty much quit listening to that show. But keep on keeping on, Jay, because I think you got the makings of a good show. And when I listen to your show, I get to thinking about the first episode of my other podcast. I tell you what, yours is way better. Mine was reading ARRL Bolton's in the middle of the night, trying not to wake everybody up. So with that, uh, y'all go on over and check this out. It, it is informative. Uh, it was kept pretty much to Linux. It didn't uh, kind of fall off into other areas. And I think it has potential to be a good show. So what do you think, Russ? I will agree with you to a point that it has potential to be a good show. Unfortunately, when it comes to shows that do strictly news, and especially when they come across as someone who is reading from a teleprompter or a script or a newsreader or something like that, they tend to turn my interest off pretty quickly. Now, I was hoping that this would kind of take the place of the Tech 5 podcast that John C. Dvorak did for two reasons. Uh, one, he doesn't seem to do that podcast anymore unless it's somewhere that I'm not aware of it. And two, I don't particularly like John C. Dvorak. So I was hoping that this would be good. But unfortunately, just straight news is not terribly interesting to me. News and commentary is much more interesting. And if you listen to enough other Linux podcasts out there, like the Linux Basement and Tilts and, and all the other ones, you will get all of the same information, and there's a little bit of entertainment, sometimes a lot of entertainment in between. So listening to the sort of uh, dry, you know, spoon-fed little bits of news in 15-minute segments uh, just didn't sit particularly well with me. From a technical sp- perspective, the, the podcast is very well done. It sounds good. Uh, Jay has a good voice for podcasting and it sounds very, you know, official and presentable and, and all of that. But overall, it's pretty dry. And I think with a little bit of sprucing up and a little bit of personal commentary and, and personality thrown in, it could be very, very good. Now he's only done four episodes, I believe, up till now. So there's plenty of time and room for improvement. All, all the basic stuff is there. He's got a good, solid foundation. Uh, he just needs to make it his own a little bit, and it will be very good. Well, exactly. And uh, when you man- when you mentioned that part, and I'm sorry I didn't jump on other stuff too, but, um, yes, it is well done. It sounds good. He's definitely got a good voice micro- microphone setup going on there. But you were talking about he needs to loop, loosen up some and everything. And I'll tell you right now, over on Resonant Frequency, the thing that saved, saved my butt previous to episode six or seven was the fact that I was trying to do some interviews. And the people that I was trying to do the interviews with, I knew most of them. So we had sat across the table and talked face-to-face about radios and stuff like that. I was able to relax and just kind of kind of chat with them and stuff. Uh it's real hard to get to that initially real hard to get to the point 
that you're past initially starting up and the microphone is there in front of you. It's you're looking at it. You're, you're trying to say everything the right way and all this other stuff. I think if you relax and that's the same advice I gave Jerry Taylor over practical amateur radio podcast. If you take a little time to relax, read, read your copy through. And I, it sounds like you already are, but try and read it through a handful of times till it starts flowing smoothly and you feel more relaxed. And then, you know, add a little bit of yourself to it. Honestly, the folks out there listening to podcasts, they're not listening to content for the most part. They're listening to the people presenting the content. So that's why they listen to this show. Cause we got Russ. Yeah. No, that's, that's not it at all. See, I'm, they the, just I'm, want, I'm the content they just part. Want to see if I'm going to say badger. <laughs> and, and he did folks. He did. When? Just now. What? You said badger. I'm going to pull a Vinny Barbarito Barbarino on you. What? <laughs> what? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hope, I, hopefully I that sure hope George Takei doesn't get me, but doesn't come after me on that. Like, I'm scared of him. I don't think he's copyrighted it yet. Oh, well. <laughs> so hopefully that, that uh, criticism wasn't too harsh. And Well, no, and I'll tell you, we had have a lot of podcasters, you know, send us something, come listen to my stuff. We tell them like, the way we see it. Lord knows we're not the best out there. <laughs> We're pretty darn good, but I've, I've heard one or two shows that kicks our butt. But the whole thing is that we're all in this doing it. it. It's not like we're professionals and stuff, but the fact of the matter is, I, I would think if somebody asked me for input, they would want actual the actual real deal. So it's not like I'm being harsh. I'm just kind of telling it the way I see it, which may or not may or may not be the general consensus of everybody else. Am I using them big words again? I need to quit doing that. People might misjudge me. There's a quote in the chat room here from Bill. What's he say here? Jay has hosted a number of podcasts, including the Linux user podcast back in 2009. Jay did weather for WIBU in Ponyette, Wisconsin. And he was the lead singer and bass guitarist for the band Apocalypse in the 80s. All righty then. Apoxyclips. Apoxyclips. All right. Well, Jay, in that case, just relax. That's the bottom line. Relax. Cause if you, if you, if you relax a little bit, you little, that little, little, that, uh, personality come out and everything else. And if you had your own band, then you could get away with playing the music without infringing on the copyright. I want to hear Jay's review of our podcast. I never, I never listened to Apoxyclips, but hey. I'll give anything a shot once, as long as the guitarist doesn't gargle with class. <laughs> I wonder if any of that music is out there on the internet anywhere. We will have to find out. If it is, gonna, maybe it'll be the music for this episode. Yeah, we're going to check out and see, can we find some poxy clips? <laughs> poxy then we, clips? Then we'll have to call him and ask him, can we use it? And then he'll say, what kind of review did you give me? And then we'll say, uh, we gave you a truly badger review, which will probably end up being badger in a final cut. And then he'll say, you guys can go stick your head 
in the, in the uh, south end of a north-facing cow, and we'll say, oh, yeah, and your mother. And he'll say, and before it's all over, it'll be the grand apocalypse of the, of the podcasting community. Heh. Exactly what I was thinking. My imagination was getting way with me there for a minute. I dress like Gene Simmons, and he won't mess with me. Okay. This is getting silly. We have wound we have wound down and ground down and everything else. So the next thing on the list, and Jay, honestly, I like your show. I really do. Just relax, man. Relax. Bring a little little of yourself to the thing. Make them guess a little bit on the show notes. Anyway, so uh, number two on the list is Ohio Linux Fest in Columbus, Ohio. On September 9th through 11th, 2011. So, if I say tell, it, tell us all about it, Rush, you, you're going to tell me I done just read all of it, ain't you? Yes, exactly. These, these were announcements. I'm not going to go into describing Ohio Linux Fest. I think we've talked about it enough over the past couple of years. And I believe I mentioned in the last episode that we will not be there. So I just wanted to let everybody know that again in case they're, you know, headed that way to see us. We will be sort of very absent. We will we will not be at Ohio Linux Fest in Ohio, Columbus. Holy crap. I'm never going to get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, uh, you guys go over and check it out at uh, OhioLinux.org. OhioLinux.org. That's right. OhioLinux.org. Ohio Linux Fest. Here we go again. I wish I'd quit having him strokes in the middle of the show. What else we got, Russ? Oh, I just wanted to add that even though Uh we're not going to be there, people should definitely go. It's a good show. It really is. It's worth going, especially if you are anywhere close to Columbus, Ohio. Check it out, and uh, you can all say, we told you to go there. Who's in charge and what did, how did they review our show? Ohio Linux. Uh-huh. Well, there are several people in charge, like, uh, Beth Lynn. Remember her? I like her. Yeah. And Rob does a lot for them and Moose and some others. Okay. I can't think of right now. They were all disappointed that we weren't going to be there. So they must like us. All righty. Y'all go to Ohio Linux Fest. They are our friends. Tell them that you you heard it here, and they won't give you any discount at all, but they'll let you in the door if you pay the entry fee. Ohio Linux Fest. And Ohio Linux Fest is free, so everybody should go. That's right. Ohio Linux Fest. Be there. <laughs> all right. You always get mad when I do that. <laughs> well, Be there. Holy crap. What was that? <laughs> You know, it was either that one, I think it was this one, this one. one. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was either, either that, that one, one or, or this one. one. They're both good. That's right. Okay. Henry Allen and Texoma Hammerama. Tell them about the Texoma Hammerama, Russ. This is the one you told me about, and you said you we, might actually get a chance to go up there. I'm guessing you're not going to. I haven't decided not to. Okay. Well, then, for all intents and purposes, you may go at this point. And That's it's right. it's in Ardmore, Oklahoma, on October 21st and 22nd. And if Richard gets his stuff in gear and gets up there, there will be a Linux in the Hamshack presence at the Texoma Hammerama. 
And you can find right. out about that at texomahammerama.org. So, uh, and if I, yeah, and if I do make it up, I'll be traveling around with a tiny white dwarf. Henry Allen, W5TYD, WB5TYD. Hell, I never talk to him on the radio. I always talk to him face to face. But <laughs> y'all go on down to Texomahammerama. Texomahammerama. Uh, yep. In uh, Ardmore. Y'all go check it out. Texoma, Hama, Rama. And links to all of this stuff will be in the show notes. So if we, you know, said something stupid or you can't figure out how to spell Hammerama, then just go to the show notes. It'll be in there. Be there. Okay. So we've <laughs> gone through all the announcements. Be time for some music. Play some music, Russ. We come right back. Not my idea, but I respect what you need and what you're gonna get. So, flag at half miles and a gentle pain, I will bid you farewell and sail again. Maybe too long, but we've seen some seas, and I agree we need to seek new breeze. So I'm prepared to turn my back and let life compensate. I'm now let go. Not about the fall, it's about the rise. So it's not about the scars you left me under these eyes. So I found my peace, so I'll hold it close. And I'll leave this place you put me without your gun. Clear eyes I see My new shore's good I've been trying to recreate All that I could So I hold you dear And I won't forget But this ship is stopping now Without regret it's not about the fall, it's about the rise. It's not about the scars you left me under these eyes. Oh, I found my peace, 
me rise, rise, rise. Let me rise. Let me rise, rise, rise. Let me When I realize that it's not about the fall, it's about the rise. It's not about the fall, it's about the rise. Okay, kids, welcome to Lennox and Hamjack Part Two. Lennox and Hamjack Part Two. This is the part after the first bit. And before the last bit, and it's in the middle. So here we are. It's like a three-act play. Normally a tragedy. Okay, uh, Russ, I see, I see in the list tonight, we got, uh, HR 607. That would be a, a house bill or, or some kind of mess. I'm a little confused. Can you enlighten us? I'll tell you what I'm going to do since I know you're already up on this and many of our listeners probably are as well. I'm going to read this little bit that I got from the ARRL website because they are, of course, involved in the litigation, or not, I guess it's not litigation yet, but they're involved in a discussion about House Resolution 607, and which is called the Broadband for First Responders Act of 2011. And here's what the ARRL has to say about it. On February 10th, 2011, Representative Peter King, Republican from New York, Chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee introduced H.R. 607, the Broadband for First Responders Act of 2011, which has been referred to the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which handles telecommunications legislation. The bill addresses certain spectrum management issues, including the creation and maintenance of a nationwide public safety broadband network. As part of that network, the bill provides for the allocation of the so-called D-block of spectrum in the 700 megahertz range for public safety use. H.R. 607 uniquely provides for the reallocation of other spectrum for auction to commercial users in order to offset the loss of revenue that would occur as a result of the allocation of the D-block to public safety instead of commercial auction. H.R. 607 lists among the bands to be reallocated for commercial auction within 10 years of the passage of the bill the paired bands 420 to 440 MHz and 450 to 470 MHz. The inclusion of most of the amateur 70-centimeter spectrum as one of the replacement bands is a major problem. The 420 to 440 MHz band is not public safety spectrum and should not be included in any spectrum swap of public safety, public safety allocations. While the ARRL and all amateurs support the work of public safety and recognize their need for dedicated spectrum, which would promote interoperability, the ARRL vigorously opposes H.R. 607 in its present form. H.R. 607 is a direct threat to our limited spectrum, and the ARRL encourages all amateurs to appropriately voice their opposition to this bill. So since we've uh, established that you already know something about H.R. 607, let's hear what you think about it. Oh, well, I'm not too heavily into it. I've, I've 
examined it. And these things, they either move really, really fast or they move really, really slow. When um, the FCC and stuff wants to try and push something through like BPL, it takes a long time for it to happen. Now, as far as this is concerned, first, let me say, we have a boogeyman come along. There's been four or five of them since I've been licensed. This may be another boogeyman. It may not. The example that I normally give people is that back in the, what was it, early 90s, uh, Bill Gates wanted our 440 band. He wanted our 220 band. He wanted our two-meter band. He was going to put up a bunch of satellites so that uh, people could have wireless Internet around the world. The little Leo satellites, if uh, if y'all want to go look it up. And then we had BPL, another band threat. As far as I know, it's not causing a major issue in the places it's been implemented. And ARRL had technical people on it to make sure that uh, interference was minimized. However, occasionally they push stuff through that um, doesn't go for us. Now, I can see them wanting that spectrum in the 420-440 band. That's what they've been using for public service. Our uh, band, our frequencies close to that, uh, and as far as auctioning it off, that's prime real estate, and we get all our spectrum for free. And the only way we're going to hang on to it is if you, if everybody fights for it. Now, in my case, my representatives in Congress are Jeb uh, Hanserling, uh, Kay Bailey Hutchinson. Don't know if she's related or not, kids. John Cornyn. Uh, these guys. You need to go over to the ARRL website, read up on what they've got on it over there. Chances are, if they need your input or need your help with something, they will post it there. I warn y'all, I'm good with the league again. And I'm not going to beat y'all to death with league, league, league like I never beat y'all to death with it before. But in this case, they're the ones that are in the in Washington. They're the ones watching out. For those of y'all that are members, get on board. For those of you who are not members, you should probably consider becoming a member just so you know you're supporting the effort to make sure that this does not happen. I want public service to have their uh, their broadband, which, you know, especially in small areas like the one I moved to, areas where things are kind of spread out, when they need that kind of spectrum to make it happen. I can't argue this down. I can't. However, we do need to uh, make sure that our people and contact your section manager, your assistant section managers, whoever you need to, and, uh, and get on board with this and keep an eye on it. BPL got in because not enough. They drug it out long enough that people quit worrying about it so much. Don't let that, don't let this one get by because we're not paying attention. So I ramble on uselessly long enough for us. No, I think that was very informative, actually. <laughs> Richie got a memory like an elephant. He can remember 20 years ago, but he can't remember what he did this morning. That's okay. Maybe, maybe it's because you, you're not meant to remember what you did this morning. God, I hope, I, I hope it wasn't illegal. <laughs> or at least if it was, you don't get caught. Anyway, no, if it was illegal, I want to remember it. Oh, I see. <laughs> no fun the other way. 
Well, everybody just make sure you keep an eye on HR 607. Support the league if you're up to supporting the league. And if nothing else, send your representatives in the House uh, a letter indicating your disapproval of HR 607. The ARRL has some sample letters you can send. And thanks to KD8HWG in the chat room, we have a, we have a URL for that. HTTP colon slash slash www.arrl.org stroke sample dash letters. Uh, those will give you some idea of something you can send to your representatives via email or possibly postal mail. I haven't looked, but anyway, check there, uh, to see some pre, pre-done sample letters that you might send to your representatives indicating your uh, disapproval of HR 607 and just keep abreast of the situation. Make sure we uh, fight the good fight to keep our 70 centimeter spectrum because, you know, those frequencies are very popular and, and very useful. They're, they're currently ours and we need to try and keep them that way. And let me add this, uh, for those of you within the sound of my voice, the worst thing we ever do as amateur radio operators when there's something we're upset about that's going on as far as frequency allocation, that kind of stuff is we immediately get the address to the FCC. Do not send letters to the FCC. Go through your representatives, go through the ARRL, and even those of you who are not ARRL members, I think you'll find that your section manager in most sections will at least listen to what you have to say, even even if you are not an actual member of the league, because this doesn't affect just the league. It affects all amateur radio operators. But I, I, I beg you, do not contact the FCC, because when they get upset, we end up losing stuff. They're one of those agencies that can make a decision uh, especially, and they can push the folks in Congress to make a decision in their favor. Contact your House and Senate representatives. Contact, uh, I, I know most of you guys have at least somebody with the league in one of your, cl- in a, a club you belong to. Stay on top of this, guys. We ended up with BPL and it turned out to be a boogeyman in most cases. Uh, little Leo's turned out to be a boogeyman. Uh, but on the other hand, UPS didn't turn out to be a boogeyman. We lost frequency. And it's been long enough now that some people may have forgotten that or were not licensed when it happened. And then when the UPS didn't want it, we didn't get it back. They auctioned it off. I could go on a long time about this, but I don't think I will. Uh, so what else on, on this? Uh, guys, in the, let me check the chat room and see what they're saying over there. I was busy looking at the, at the web page. They're basically just talking about, Bill mentioned that uh, the Senate bill does not call for auction of the ham radio frequencies, but the, you know, HR 607 does. Okay. Well, see, there you go. And they're going to probably going to hammer that out. We need to keep an eye on that because, you know, nobody, 700, I don't even know anybody's really using 700 and, if I remember correctly, they're wanting to take that 700 chunk out of uh, some of the old analog television frequencies, which is all fine and good, but the FCC was going to sell those frequencies. Now they want something else to sell because yeah, some of 700 is making money. Some of 700 is used for commercial Wi-Fi. Is it? 
Yeah. Well, them boys need to move on up to 802.11b or something. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about 700 megahertz is it's um, not line of sight where 802.11 frequencies are. That's why they like them. Well, I understand. I like my two-meter radio better than I do my 440 radio because I can get on simplex and talk a lot farther. But the 440 radio is better when I'm up in town because... 440 is more reflective. Well, kind of, kind of depends on anyway. I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, enough about right. HR 607. Let's talk about Ted. Who's Ted? Ted is one of our faithful listeners. W A zero. Yeah, W A zero D I R. Ted. And we're going to talk about. We we've said we were going to talk about his applications many times, and I know we've mentioned them in passing now and then. But I thought we would look a little deeper. Now, have you ever used any of his stuff, or do you stick to the FLDGs and all that kind of thing? Uh, as far as Ted's stuff, I have fired it up and looked at it. I've never actually used it extensively. You know, relatively, I haven't really used FLDG extensively, uh, mainly because I really don't get over on my HF radio much. But, uh, yes, I've seen all of them. They're, they're, they're all fine, uh, fine pieces of software. But as far as, uh, actually using them in, in a real situation, I have not had an opportunity to do that. Oh, Ted, I'm sorry. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> well, to be honest, I haven't had a chance to use them either on an active ham radio machine, but I did go through the motions of getting them installed on my computer this afternoon. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about doing the installs, at least for me. Well, I went to Ted's website where he keeps all of his applications, which I believe I went to wa0eir.ham.org, which then forwards on to his um, Mediacom website. And from there, you can download all of the source for the various applications. And the applications that I looked at are TWPSK, TWLog, TWClock, TWCW, and PSK31LX. Now, I'm using a Linux Mint Debian Edition machine here, and I got all of the latest versions of the software that Ted has on his site because they are all built with Pulse Audio support. I built all of them from source code because I wanted to see how easy that was going to be. And it wasn't too bad, although there were a few missing dependencies on my machine. So if you're using Ubuntu or LMDE or Linux Mint or Debian, there are a couple of packages you're going to want to install in order to get the necessary development libraries so that you can build these packages from source. One of them is actually on Ted's website. He has a link to what's called the xbay matrix widget xbae Uh, he has a link where you can download the source code to that and build that library on your machine and then you can use it to build the tw log application because it's a dependency however i tell you what i know that xbay i've sold a lot of stuff over (laughs) um okay is that is that where the uh all the porn videos and stuff are sold i'm not telling Oh, you're not telling. Okay. Oh, my. So anyway, you can you can download the source for XBay, 
or you can install it from packages. Debian has it packaged in the libxbay-dev package. So you can apt-get install that. And I found on my particular machine, I had to install three other packages in order to get them to work. Uh, one is the libmotif-dev package. The other is the libxmu-dev. And the last one is libxpm. That's x-ray papa mic-dev. Once I had all of those development packages on my machine and the package for xbay, I was able to build all of the other applications. On a Debian machine, you also have to remember that you have to have your entire build environment. And one way to do that, or an easy way to do that, is to install the build-essential meta package. And that will install your C compiler and a bunch of libraries and a bunch of stuff like that. The development packages give you the, the libraries and the include files, the, the header files, so that you can install all this, all these applications. So once you have all that stuff, then you go into each one of these, um, you download each one of these from the website, and then basically the build process is the same for all of them. You type dot slash configure, and then make, and then make install. Now the make install you usually have to do as root or as a privileged user because they, unless you specify a different uh, install prefix, they're usually installed in like a uh, user local, which you have to be root to actually install into. But as long as you do, you know, dot, dot slash configure make make install or configure make make install, then all of these built fine for me. And then you just, um, you run each, each command is the name of the package. Like if you want to run TWPSK, you just type TWPSK. If you want to run TWLog, you type TWLog. Now, PSK31LX is actually a curses-based application, so it actually runs inside a terminal window, but all of the other ones are based on um, GTK, I think, or, or not GTK specifically, but something that actually runs in a native X environment. So when you fire up, like, TWLog, you get a basic um, widgety-looking uh, logger interface. Not very fancy, just um, a place where you can enter the date, the start of your QSO, uh, the call sign, you know, all the basic log data. And Tim's, or not Tim, Ted says on his website that this logger is based purely for QSO logging. It's not really for contesting. So if you want to do contest logging, this, is, this application is not for you. But if you want a simple, straightforward, X-based native Linux application for logging your contacts. TW log works very well. It's very easy to use. There's uh, minimal, if any, configuration to it. And I will ask now to make sure, but does it store everything in ADIF or at least import or export ADIF, Ted? That was my question exactly. So now we I'm wait sure for Ted to answer. I'm sure it probably does too, but I just want to make sure. The magic of live podcasting. I'm looking to see if there's a, um, let's see, there's a convert. Oh, yeah, here's a convert, and it says convert to TW log format or ADIF format. So I've answered the question myself. It does support ADIF. Russ found it. Yeah. Uses a flat file, but can export to ADIF. I would think a flat file be a text file. 
which I like messing with them because I can always stick them in LibreOffice and look at them. Yeah, so apparently the native TW log format is just a flat file, according to Ted in the chat room, but it can store in a diff format if you need to migrate to another application that uses or supports a diff. So there you go. So that's TW log in a nutshell. And I like how the close on all of his applications isn't close. If you click on the file down, you know, the file dialog and you get the menu, the close for all of his applications is QRT, which is kind of cute. That's because Ted is a radio operator. That's correct. Also, he uh, he mentioned a while ago in the chat room that the, uh, what is that, XBA, XBay files are in the repos for sure. Anyway, I went over and checked, and yes, uh, what's it, what's in there? Ah, uh, the magic of live radio. Uh, live XBay dev 4.6.2-3 and... Uh, XBay 4, 4.6.2-3. I don't know what the difference is, except for one says dev and another don't, but there you have it. It's, it's in the library. It's in the, uh, the package repositories for Ubuntu, or at least Ubuntu, whatever the heck it is I'm running here right now. I think it's 10.04, but I could be wrong. Okay. If it'll ever load. Now, while he was doing that, I fired up TWPSK, and what's uh-huh. kind of interesting about it is it's using my sound input um, because it's it's hooked up to the machine here I'm recording on. So TWPSK is actually showing the audio from my voice, and if I go into the spectrum analyzer, I can see a waveform of my recording, which is kind of cool. Now, see, if you, see if you can whistle a PSK signal. No, I don't think that's working. But anyway, normally you would hook this up to a device that's connected to a radio so that it can actually de- decode PSK or all, or CW or things like that. And I'm not see, does it say what modes are available in here, Ted? Uh, this is really easy to use. It creates a .twpsk dir in your home directory, which is where the config file is and where the data files are stored. And it's uh, very easy to configure for your use. Um, let's see. Ted says it does BPSK and QPSK only. It's a real man's digital uh, program. Uh, it does have the waterfall display, which is very nice. It does have the waveform display, the spectrum analyzed display. The configuration data is in a flat file. So if you just edit it with a regular text editor. Pretty much just go to town with it. There's, uh, there's a few controls on displaying, you know, what frequency you're on and things like that. And it's, uh, very straightforward. And it's got this neat feature where, um, it will scan up and down the, the passband for, for decodable PSK signals. So you just, um, say seek up or seek down and it will find the next decodable signal and it will stop there and start decoding, which is pretty cool. Yes. And Ted says because it, because it is written for Linux, he decided to make the waterfall go up instead of down. Now, the real reason Ted did that, I'm pretty sure is so that if you're sitting at your computer operating PSK and you've had too many 807s, uh, you will fall out of your chair, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. At so least it makes it unique because all the waterfalls go the other way. And it's not no, so it's don't. not a, it's not a waterfall, it's a water rise. There you have it. It's a big old gusher. 
So anyway, that's a real simple and easy to use application there. Then there's TWCW, which will send CW, Morse code, based on your text input to your rig. So straightforward application there. And it's got, uh, I believe, some macro control. You can also do code practice with it. So that's TWCW, a very simple application, so not much to say about that. Let me go, let's see, what's next? Oh, TW Clock, that's about the simplest one there is. You type TW Clock, and it's basically a clock. That's it. Clocks are cool. Yep. But you type TW Clock, and it shows you a clock. That's all it does. Maximum coolness. And it's, it'll give a CWID, too, Ted says. Okay, so maybe Ted can explain to me how you do that, because I don't seem to have any controls with TW Clock. It just shows the clock, and I don't see a config file for it either. Oh, I see. You right-click. It's a right-click thingy. Yeah, you right-click, you type, you set the timer, and then it will send um, send a CW tone every 10 minutes, CWID tone every 10 minutes. See, there you go, folks. It's not that we're overly intelligent and we have all the answers. It's, it's, it's the fact that, uh, we have faces that are perfect for podcasting. You hear that? It went through the sound card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard it. Uh, I don't know what, what idea it was. It was probably Ted's. L- let's listen. Uh, I think that was no call. Ted says, push the button at the top of the interface. Yep. I was right. It's in zero C A L L. P-S-K something. So you, you can set your local time. You can set GMT time. You can set a different time zone. It's got all, all the time zones available. You can set your timer. You can set it to ID. I'm trying to find where you set the call sign. There's a little help thingy here I'm reading. Control O pops up a dialog. Control G, Control L, set timer. Still can't see where to set the call sign. TW clock. It's in a file called TW clock, which is an X resource file. I sure I'm glad Russ is technical because I wouldn't know what the hell Ted was talking about. Okay, anyway, that's TW clock. So it's a little more intricate than I thought it was at first. Do we have any more applications? We're down to PSK31LX, right? Yeah, and let me let me jump in here real quick. We had a question in the uh, in the chat room about if this was available through the package manager in uh, some of the distributions. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm running a copy of Ubuntu here, which I believe is 1010, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, 1004 is running on another machine, and. TW log, TWPSK, TW clock, TWCW. Uh, let me see if I got that right. TW clock, TW log, TWPSK are available in that package repository. And the other ones you may have to go and compile. But, uh, let me tell you, uh, in some circumstances, it's well worth it. Well worth it. Okay, one thing that Ted has given me uh, in the chat room here is a bit of information that could be useful to a lot of people who are using his particular applications, and that is that in the directory slash Etsy slash X11 slash app dash defaults, there are a lot of the configuration files, well, what he calls X resource files, that 
are the way that these applications like TWCW and TW Clock and TW Log um, behave. So if you want to customize how they look or feel, you can go into these X resource files and change the parameters. Most of the uh, configuration options are pretty self-explanatory, and you can make each of these things look and feel like you want, including setting things like the call sign that's transmitted in uh, TW Clock. So just remember slash Etsy slash X11 slash app dash defaults, and you'll see all the stuff in there for uh, TW Clock, TWCW, TW Log, TWPSK. And if you need to change something in Xize, he says that's in there too. It probably would be if I had Xize installed, but I don't. Crap. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's see. Have we got the PSK31LX yet? No, we haven't got the PSK31LX yet. Well, let's talk about PSK31LX because I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. Well, I, I installed PSK31LX, and like I said, it's uh, curses-based. It actually runs inside of a terminal instead of the other stuff. And I can see it, like, when I'm talking, it's doing stuff. It's trying to decode my voice, which, of course, it can't because I can't whistle a PSK signal. Now, the one thing I didn't really get around to trying to figure out in this application is how to do anything in it because the interface is so basic, there are no push buttons or indications of how to get it to do anything like what the control keys are or what function keys do or anything like that. So I'm hoping that Ted will pipe up any time now and Click tell the me, button at the top. Yeah, tell me the easy way to get, like, the settings and the list of what keys do what and that kind of thing for PSK31LX. Read the man page, damn it. <laughs> yes, RTFM, thanks very much. R- PSK31LX. <laughs> All right. Oh, there's I'm the control signals there. Okay, so it's based on it's based on the arrow keys, the escape key, and a bunch of control keys, and they are in the man page. So if you do a man PSK thirty one LX, you get all of the control keys. Um, in another in another terminal window right next to it. Yes, that's correct. And uh, once again, PSK thirty one LX only does BPSK and QPSK. It looks like configuration files are in. Let's see, where are they? Where do you suppose the configuration files are? Is it in the man page? It'll tell you. It'll say, look at these two. Uh, let's see. No, I guess there really aren't ones. The only thing you can, you can specify a couple of different things on the command line, like what, uh, audio device or serial device you would need. Let's see, default is TTYS1. But you can use the dash T flag to specify a different device. For example, TTYS0 or TTYUSB0. You can use dash Q to start in QPSK mode. You can use dash L to shift into LSB mode instead of USB mode. And then there are control keys that toggle various things like receive and transmit, LSB and USB, etc., etc. And they're all in the man page, so I RTFM'd and got all the information I need. As y'all can tell, it's pick on Russ on Linux in the Hamshack night here. Um, and Ted, going, go ahead. Huh? 
No, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're going to end up with the double badger if we ain't careful. Ted made a point to indicate that the PSK 31 LX application was co-written with another gentleman, uh, Hanzi, uh, call sign DL nine RDZ. want to make sure he gets a mention there too. But anyway, if, uh, if you want to try out something a little bit different for your digital mode communications, then give these applications that WA0EIR has put together there. Like I said, you can download them from his website, build them from source. It takes about, I don't know, 10 seconds to build each of these packages. Some of them go even faster than that. And they're very simple, uh, straightforward interfaces, and they're very easy to use. And if anybody has any questions about that, they can go ahead and email Ted. We'll give out his home and cell phone numbers, and you can just call him directly. <laughs> I just want you to know that Ted wants to rock and roll all night and party every day. <laughs> we'd like to thank Ted. We'd like to thank Hanzi, DL9RDZ. And in fact, I'm glad I went over here and took a look at this. No, we ain't going to do that, Ted. We ain't going to do that to you. <laughs> they can go to the website and find it themselves. Uh, <laughs> But actually, the, the I haven't looked at this in a while, the PSK31LX. I may actually go back to this if I get HF rig hooked back up. In fact, I'm kind of looking for something where I can sit in the living room and watch Celebrity Housewives and, and work PSK at the same time. So we'll, we'll just do it over SSH. Y'all go over and check out uh, Ted's website, WA0EIR. I hope I didn't slaughter the call sign. WA0EIR.ham.org. WA0EIR.ham.org. Or check the show notes. It'll be there. Uh, if we can get more of y'all to come check the show notes, it'll actually look like there's a reason for us to be paying for the website. So uh, are we pretty much done with that one, Russ? I believe we are done with that, and I think we're headed for another break, and then we'll wrap up with some feedback. I'm thinking about breaking for some, breaking some stuff. We'll be right back, y'all.
Okay, kids, I know y'all expect me to say we're in the home stretch, but I ain't going to say it this time. We're just going to say that was lovely, lovely music, and now we're going to talk about some feedback and maybe wrap things up fairly quickly because everybody is ready to go. Now, those of y'all who missed the live show, you missed, uh, uh, let's see, you missed saying, saying sappy stuff show, and you missed the screwing around with effects show, and... You even missed, missed a guest appearance by H.P. Lovecraft, George Takei, and the guy with the gum on the bottom of his boots up at Walmart. So, uh, here we go with feedback. Our first one comes from Don WS4E. He says, Russ, I am now the president of the club in Louisville. He doesn't say which Louisville. But he's in, he's the president of the club in one of the Louisvilles. All hail the president. Actually, that's really great because, uh, from what interaction I've had with Don, he seemed like a, a, somebody who would make a really good club president. Anyway, let's move on. All hail Don the president. I love Elgar. And we recently had Blind Ham join our club. I want to give him some pointers on some good resources, and I have heard you mention Handy Hams a couple of times. Do you know of any other good things to point him towards other than Handy Hams? Just wondering if you had any ideas off the top of your head. Thanks. And that is from Don, WS4E. The president of the Louisville Someplace Amateur Radio Club. So, what do you think about that, Russ? I I think it was a good question. The only problem is I don't have a real good answer. Handy Hams is one of the best places out there to look for information for hams with disabilities. One thing I did find in doing some Google searching is that there are many, many news groups and mailing lists dedicated to amateur radio operators with disabilities you may want to look those up and join them you know if you are are blind or whatever you probably have screen reader software or something like that like orca or whatever and you can join those those mailing lists and uh, use them as resources for how to find out how to do things as a blind or otherwise disabled ham radio operator but as far as websites that were dedicated to that kind of thing or clubs or anything else or even people who had information for uh, blind or disabled hams, I really didn't find a whole lot except for handy hams. Did you investigate this at all or is this news to you? Luckily, we had uh, – no, I know a guy and uh, I guess I still know him. I haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, radio operator down here that was blind. He, he wasn't sight impaired. He was blind. And, uh, Jim was a good guy. I wish I could remember his call sign. I'm having a call sign brain fart this evening on Linux in the ham shack. However, most of uh, blind folks, if they have a computer, have reader software. It's kind of a necessity. Uh, there's a few out there still using braille, the, those electronic serial or USB, uh, touchpad things that do the braille but uh for the most part here locally 
we have an organization called the Lighthouse for the Blind. And the Lighthouse for the Blind uh, is one of those organizations that caters to sight impaired, you know, just like Deaf Action Center does deaf folks and stuff like that. But and when I say deaf and I say blind, y'all don't get mad at me because I've been told it's okay by people who was. Anyway, they get them computers. Uh, in the case of the blind ones, they get them screen readers, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, if there are organizations in your area that are like that, uh, they will have no problem helping somebody get set up on the computer side of it. And uh, most definitely they will know probably one or two people that are amateur radio operators that would be interested in helping helping these folks out. Now, as far as Courage Handy Hams, they are the, they're the biggest one. They, that's probably the best place for, uh, for somebody like that to start out. You, you did right. And in my opinion, you did right. Anyway, that's where I would start. Courage Handy Ham. There's also some other places you might want to take a look at. The ARRL website has a section where, uh, you can go search some of the articles. Some are available to non-members. Some aren't. But in this case, I probably need to sign out because I'm looking at it right now. It appears that they're available. The ones I'm looking at are available for non-members. So go check these out. Uh, stroke access dash two dash amateur dash radio dash four dash the dash blind. Or go over to the show notes and click on the link because it'll end up in there. We're going to put it there if it kills us. But there's several articles here. Uh, in fact, there's a four-part article about amateur radio and the blind. Uh, there's other ones about a talking walk, uh, watt meter, an audible frequency readout. Quite a few other things that are available, you know, and the majority of my experience has been with, uh, hams that don't, hearing impaired hams, even though I did have with, have this one friend that was a blind ham. But, uh, I would go over to the league, check out some of their back articles that are posted on the website. There were some issues with the site for a while when they switched over to new software, but it's getting better. Yeah. Bill, uh, Bill posted a good, uh, link in the, in the show or yeah in the chat room which is going to wind up in the show notes for the royal let's see for the the canadian national amateur radio society's page with links for hams with disabilities there are several good links there to resources for blind and otherwise handicapped hams and that website url is long and convoluted, so it's going to be in the show notes. But it's uh, you could probably do a Google search for it for the uh, it's it's at www.rac.ca, and there's a link on the left for disabilities, so you can click there, and and the direct link will be in the show notes. Uh, one one of the links they have is to the cor- the Courage Handy Ham system, and then there are several other links too. So good resource there. Thanks, Bill. Now, if he's finished stealing my thunder. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, that's fine. Uh, I needed a minute to get, get another link posted in there anyway. And, uh, most of all, uh, 
get them to try the social networks. Uh, if they've got a screen reader, most of the social networks will put them in a position where they can actually check things out on those. Uh, I did go over to Facebook or ended up with a link over to Facebook where there is a group for blind amateur radio operators, and it appears to be fairly active. You know, it's hard for us to know what's going on, but you know what? You can't hardly beat uh, hanging out with others that, you know, have gone through some of the stuff you might be end up going through. We'll go ahead and post that link in the show note show notes also because it's one of those convoluted, yeah, URLs. Uh, this group is currently going under archiving like a lot of the groups are because they're changing to a different format. Uh, once it disappears, they'll have to rejoin it. But like I said, it is uh, fairly active in the group is called blind amateur radio operators of all things. You can also probably hook up with, uh, quite a few on, uh, I know, well, I've got at least one guy in my li- list over at Twitter who is a sight impaired. Uh, I really don't ask who is and who isn't. So unless somebody makes a comment that leads me to believe that's going on, I, I really don't know. However, uh, this group is called, is called blind amateur radio operators. And it, like I said, it appears to be pretty active and been a lot of activity since June, but you know, all this kind of stuff goes in, goes in, uh, spurts. There you go. Uh, there's a few things the, to get you started that direction. You know, if you find somebody that's willing to help this guy and Elmer him and, and kind of help him out, that's always going to work, especially if he's always going to help, especially if he's a new AM. Best bet is to, to, to try and find some like-minded individuals. And that's one of the reasons that we push courage handy hands. Uh, they do a lot of good. Uh, they're all over the country and. Even though there's not a lot of organizations out there around the country, between the league and Handy Hams, I think he's he's going to have a really good start. So, what else have you got on that one, Russ? Uh, I'm going to go with nothing. Well, there you have it. Welcome to the Nothing Show, where we do nothing. Nothing. Reminds me of that show that had Peter Sellers in it when years and years ago. Running, jumping, and standing still was the name of the show. And that's what they did. All right. So I read the last one. You read the next one. Okay. Well, we do have one more bit of feedback. And this one comes as a comment on the website from Peter, OK2CQR. Now, if CQR sounds familiar, it's because he's the author of CQR Log. And he says, Torsten has had problems. Now, Torsten, by the way, is K5TOR one of our listeners who was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Torsten has had problems installing CQR log on a 64-bit machine. CQR log already has native 64-bit versions. There is no need to install 32-bit. You can use my personal PPA at launchpad.net with packages for Lucid, Maverick, Natty, and Oniric. Version 1.2.1 will be part of Oniric, uh, will be part of the Oniric release as well. More information at http colon stroke stroke www.cqrlog.com stroke node stroke four seven three Peter OK two CQR. So that, that was one one Rick. One Rick? No, it's it's Oniric. 
Oh, like the old needers. Exactly. Or something. I see. I see. So that, that specifically addressed Torsten's problem where we were talking about the fact that he was having an issue installing on 64 bit systems, but it looks like Peter has already packaged, uh, 64 bit versions of CQR log. And in, if you're using Ubuntu or any other system like Linux Mint, which supports the idea of a PPA or a personal repository, you can go to that URL that I just cited that'll be in the show notes and you can install that in your sources.list file and you'll be able to install 64-bit versions of CQR log directly onto your machine and apparently if you're going to be running 11.10 Ubuntu 11.10 or anything that's based on Ubuntu 11.10 you will be able to just get the 64 or 32-bit versions of CQR log in the regular repositories and you won't even need the PPA. So thank you, Peter, for that little bit of information. And hopefully that will help a lot of people who are trying to run 64 bit versions of CQR log. So do you have anything else to add to that or are we, is that pretty much covered? I'm a little, I'm a little confused. I got, I got Peter with an okay call and I got K5 TOR Torsten in, in Jamaica and one Rick and I'm, oh, Holy crap. And now they're grabbing about me cussing in the chat room. No, I think they, I, I think they enjoy it. I didn't cuss in the chat room. I cussed on air. Even though you, the listener, are going to have to start coming to the live shows if you want to hear what Richard says, it gets cut out. And it's a lot, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last but not least, it appears that we have a donation from Paul G and a great big thank you from Russ and myself. Uh, Russ, tell us what Paul done for us. Paul gave us a donation. Woohoo! Donation. <laughs> yes. Woo-hoo. Thank you very much, Paul, for your donation. And if anybody else wants to give us a donation, you can go right to the website, lhspodcast.info, click on the donate link, and we will be most gracious and most appreciative of any money you can spare to help us continue our podcast and i think that's, that's right I'm no no sorry. no don't go don't go on about donations we're going to keep this one short well no i was just going to say that uh well thank you very much paul because russ and i are both gutter drunks and if we can afford to get some alcohol we are very happy to do so and you have made this made this a lovely lovely that will be dinner for like two nights two nights <laughs> Laying out front of the liquor store, gutter drunk. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Paul. Thanks for thanks for turning uh, us into homeless panhandlers. I did not say homeless panhandler. What I said was gutter drunk. <laughs> gutter drunk. I think that's a euphemism for homeless panhandler. Only if you hold your hand out. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were from Oklahoma anyway. Actually, in all seriousness, thank you, Paul, and we do appreciate any donations y'all are able to send our way. It helps us keep that show on the air, and sometimes we actually improve the quality. And and Richard, Richard sometimes actually doesn't cuss. Now, if we could just get people to pay you not to cuss, we'd probably make a fortune. If I could just figure out what the hell a one-rick is. (laughs) Well, you you go ahead and try and figure out what a one rick is while you're signing off. 
And and those of you that have seen that thing you do, the Tom Hanks film, you'll know exactly where I'm coming from with that. So from the top, no, I ain't going to do that yet. If you want to get in touch with me, yeah, I think that's it. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Now, that's my primary email address now. So make sure you send all the cussing mail, all the, all the nudie pictures, all the, all the, all the videos and phone numbers and everything else, except for the hairy women. Y'all don't send no phone numbers. And if you want to catch up with me on the social ne- networks, check out the normal culprits, uh, Twitter, Identica, Facebook, KB5JBV. I am there. So give me information, Russ, and we'll get the heck out of here. All right. I am J.R. Woodman on all of the social networks out there except for 73s.org where I'm K5TUX. You can email me at K5TUX at LHSpodcast.info. You can email both Richard and I together at the same time using info at LHSpodcast.info. You can also leave us a voicemail or a voice comment. We'll put your voice on the, on the air and we would really like to get some audio commentary. So if you would... Dial 417-200-4811 and use option 3 for Linux in the Hamshack. Leave us some voicemail. You can leave a comment on the website like Peter did and give us answers to problems we're having or suggestions for the show or anything like that. And I think that's about it. We're going to wrap up the show and I want to thank everybody for listening to episode number 64 of Linux in the Hamshack. And this is Russ signing off from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. And I'm going to send it back down to Heartland, Texas, deep in the boonies, where Richard is going to say. And broadcasting from the the card table in Heartland, Texas, this is KB5JBV. We'll see every one of y'all next time. Y'all have a wonderful hairy nipple twist in time.